0: Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your
1: hosts, Andy, Todd, and tube How do we do, neighbors? It's the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm Dude. I got <laughs> Andy and Don with me. We're uh, going to talk about beautiful things called albums today, but first, let's see how everyone's doing. How you doing, Andy? Yo, yo, bud. Uh, I'm doing okay.
2: I'm a little, a little concerned, to be honest. Uh-oh. Got some reservations about this show. We have no British bands... No Pink yep. Floyd, yep. no Beatles, nope. no grunge music at all, nope, nothing from the 90s, we are in trouble man, I don't know.
1: There's really no, uh, I guess there's some sadness,
2: right?
0: Yes. There's always a sadness okay. with this. Then, Do,
1: then Don will then Don'll be okay. <laughs> How you doing man? I'm good. Well, <laughs> that's good to hear. All right. Super. Thanks
0: for asking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm super. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Okay. So, as we mentioned, we are the album nerds. We like talking about albums. We're not experts. We just love them. And this is an opportunity to share the little bit we know. So, we'll be doing that, answering a question, and spinning the wheel of musical destiny to find out what kind of albums we'll talk about next time. But this week, she's easy, right? It's a year,
0: 1980. (laughs) 1980 was an Olympic year. Uh, of course, that's the the Miracle on Ice happened in Lake Placid, New York. Uh, the United States defeated the Soviet Union in men's ice U-S-A. hockey.
1: U S A.
0: Then later that summer, uh when the Olympics were to be held in Moscow, uh the United States uh, decided to to boycott. So, uh, no summer Olympics for us. Uh we got Mount St. Helens in Washington erupting and killing 57 people. Uh the beginning of the uh, Iran-Iraq war. John Lennon was shot and killed. John Wayne Gacy was sentenced to death for murdering 33 boys. Dark year, Damn, huh? dude. Yeah. <laughs>
1: what? What uh, are you doing to
0: me? But Ronald Reagan defeated Jimmy Carter in the presidential election.
1: U.S. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> but we, do, we have the, uh, the Rubik's Cube started oh, to, be, to be sold internationally. Uh, the post-it note was invented. Uh, CNN, uh, the first 24-hour cable news network was launched, <laughs> oh, uh, and uh, Pac-Man was released. Ah, well, so
1: all that darkness and Pac-Man can just eat it, gobble it all up, can't he? <laughs> Uh
0: And of course, it was uh, an interesting year for music, uh, so each of us will be presenting uh, an album from the year 1980. You know, how'd you approach this?
1: Album from 1980, clackety-clack, clack, clack, and look at a list. It was, it, I had no problems. I knew pretty much what I wanted to talk about from jump. What about you guys?
2: Uh, how to approach it? Yeah. So I wasn't really born yet. So most of this is just kind of off of what I've learned since then. I don't know. So we did the episode way back, episode 66 on the podcast for those long-time listeners. Oh, Long, God. long-time listeners.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we looked back in our fave five of 1980 so that was a little helpful guide i didn't go with any of those records <laughs> but uh there's a lot of good stuff though i think it was harder to pick this year than some of the years we've done in the 2000s for sure
0: i was just thinking when i joined the show was that the the podcast jumping the shark is that like when the brady bunch introduced uh what was his name they added like some kid at the end some well, oliver <laughs> oliver yep oliver and the cool. Jetsons introduced Orbity and anyway um 1980 <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, well, the first thing I did is kind of look through my, my album collection, and, and there's some great ones. Joy Division Closer, uh, I, I consider that to be their, their masterpiece. Uh, we did Joy Division recently, so I wanted to, to wait on that, but we'll get to it someday. The Cure, 17 Seconds. The first two OMD albums, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, came out in the, in the same year. Uh, that was looking to my wife's music collection, R.E.O. Speedwagon, high infidelity. But ultimately, um, you know, I went in, a uh, in a different direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was, like Duke by Genesis, um, Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel, which we talked about the Melt Face album previously. Right, uh, Zenyatta Mandata by the Police, Dead Kennedys, Ace of Spades by Motorhead. It was a little hard to focus, but I took an easy, I took the easy road, and we'll uh, that highway to hell we can uh, talk about later. So why don't we get going?
0: You
2: choo choo choose oh, me. me. Alright, I'm going to kick things off here with uh, a record from Bob Marley and the Wailers. Talking about their June 1980 album, Uprising. We are going to play a little bit from the opening cut, Coming In From The Cold. Alright, so this was the 12th studio album for Bob and the Wailers. Uh, it would come to be his final album before he would pass away the following year from a rare form of skin cancer. Yeah, the album itself, I think, is a kind of a return to form for Bob. I, my three words for it are The Legacy Cementer. You know, there's something really Magical, I guess, about an artist's final album, especially if they know that the end is coming. I think in this case, Bob, he knew he was already diagnosed with cancer by the time he was recording this record. I think you could hear some of that urgency and definitely some of that spirituality, you know, reckoning with death and mortality happening on this record. I think that adds a kind of a layer to to the you know the reggae vibe, just a little more serious and maybe a little bit darker than you would expect on a typical album in this genre. Um, so I think this one really stands out as being, you know, a really great late career masterpiece. What did you guys think?
0: Oh, the three words uh, I chose were "jaw." Yeah, right. Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> get it? No. That's uh, great, man. Wow,
1: I yeah. think that's I think that's sacrilege, my friend. Yep.
0: Yeah, we're gonna get letters. Um, Welcome probably. to hell. Yeah. That's funny. Actually, my uh, my wife uh, wrote that joke. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> throwing her under the bus <laughs> No, uh, seriously, the, the three jokes Oh, I'm sorry, the three jokes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what are the other ones? What do, what do you have <laughs> prepared? <Got a> whole <laughs> list Take here. my wife, please <laughs> uh, the, the three words I, I used are uh, rhythm and disenchantment You know, I'm not that familiar with the, the Bob Marley catalog uh, I think like everybody that lived in the 90s You know, I had the, the Legend CD You know, which was like the, oh, the yes. compilation
2: The Lion record
0: so i was i was surprised by the sort of the the darker nature of of the lyrics i mean there's still hope in the in the record but definitely some some disenchantment and disillusionment you know the total destruction the only solution you know just i don't know it seems like you know bob marley's uh he's more jacob marley oh, sorry oh, <laughs> oh, was that? that was that one of the jokes <laughs> That's the second joke yeah.
2: We visited by three jokes on this night, apparently. <laughs> uh, <hey. laughs>
0: um, but anyway, you know, it's almost like he's maybe giving up on humanity and looking upward, you know, to 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 Jaw, finding finding hope there. Uh, but you know, just a yeah, really solid record. You know, I'm happy to you know to listen to a, a Marley album uh, in its entirety because it's a it's a much different experience than just listening to the the, the singles or the greatest hits.
1: The three words I chose to describe this album are spiritual, honest, and welcoming. Uh, there's something open arms about this where it feels kind of like come in, you know, we're, we're all together on this. Uh, come in from the cold. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like, and, and there's something, the spiritual aspects, it's like maybe what Andy was alluding to, it's maybe knowing that the end is near. He was, it feels like he was really tapped into something. You know, like there's some ethereal connection. I, you know, I, I think I, I missed out and I need to, to dig in more. I'm glad we had this experience. I'm glad I got to listen to this record. Um, I'm not a huge reggae guy, but this does isn't that, I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's more, you know, there's just more to it than, than just the certain guitar rhythm or, or whatever. So yeah, very awesome. Very fun, uh, to get to know him a little bit and look forward to talking
0: about the, uh,
1: Next track's up.
0: Uh, before you move on, I, I just want to say I, I love the like the coming in from the cold metaphor. Like I think as somebody who lives in the Northeast, I, I've grown to appreciate winter, and it's just an underrated sensation. I think to to walk into a warm house from you know from the cold. So well done, Mister Marley. Mm
2: hmm. Mm hmm. Good metaphor for show. Yeah. So I mean, a couple of interesting things are going on on this record. um the sound here is definitely reggae, but there's elements of I would say funk being incorporated in here, and obviously some dub is is kind of an important part of the of the sound here as well. Part of that goes is tied back to the production on this record, which is done by Chris Blackwell, who you may know from Island Records. He was the, the founder of that label, which I think would come to prominence kind of later on in the decade, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, anyway, he was pre- He was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years back, and the Hall said of him that he was the single person most responsible for turning the world onto reggae music. So I think that alone is a pretty awesome legacy for for him. And obviously, this this work here in particular, I think, is pretty important in terms of like carrying on Bob's legacy. So why don't we play a cut here that talks about kind of that Message of sort of moving on and evolving and um, you know I think Bob did kind of want to maybe tear the world down but that was always with the idea of moving on to kind of something at a higher level or you know evolving past the sort of limitations that we seem to be stuck with I think the track Zion Train does a real nice job of getting across that message So interesting, sort of religious crossover thing going on here. So Bob was obviously Rastafarian, which has a lot of ties into Christianity, from my understanding. He's referencing Zion here, which I believe is a a
1: term from Judaism. If I point here, yeah, a lot of the terms from Judaism are pulled into Christianity, though Old Testament, you know. Sure. Uh, like so crossover. I I mean, growing up Catholic to start, I knew that word. You know,
2: so. and it was like a it's like a heaven or like a sacred yeah homeland so. Mm-hmm. yeah so i mean spirituality is definitely the main focus on this record i think the whole thing really comes to a nice crescendo with the closing cut on the the original release which is an interesting it's not really even a reggae song it's just an acoustic solo performance from bob and guitar and i think it's maybe one of his better known songs and i think it's just as a, like a legacy and a sort of like a nice sort of send-off for him and that is redemption song these songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs
0: That's a great line there. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of great lines. I really, like I said, I never gave him enough time and I really underestimated the depth of of his music. I think... Maybe it was our generation that messed it up, but it is the friendly. whole focus. Everyone I knew, it was all about the weed. It was just about smoking dope, and and that's what, what he was equated to in my mind, which is totally not fair. High profile stuff that people love. Maybe there are maybe there are legit reasons, not just the goofy ones that are on the surface.
0: Might be time to rediscover uh, Dave Matthews. Oh, oh, boy! <laughs> I, guess I, could, <laughs> I guess I could try.
2: That's a tall order. I was just going to say, it kind of reminds me of what you were saying about the dead on our, our last episode, about how that culture was so much wrapped up into the drugs and sort of the space and that vibe. And I think a little of that applies here for Bob, too. But uh, there's a reason that these songs you know, relate not only to people from Jamaica, but also on a worldwide level. It's is, it is a universal message that's just kind of, I think, worth hearing. Anything else
1: you guys want to add? Just uh, I just wanted to get back to Redemption Song and its beauty and... Uh, it's a, i think it's an essential listen even if you don't listen to the whole album i think that song like headphones not doing anything else and just listening to it you'll be you'll think and you'll be moved and it's an experience all to itself so
2: yeah so on the original record it's just as like i said a solo acoustic track which i think is more powerful but on the re-release they added in like a band a version with the full band which is a different vibe but also it's still a strong song there's a strong core to it that I think works, holds up amazingly well. And it doesn't, this record doesn't sound 1980s at all. It's just no. kind of a, a kind of a, it's, eternal it's, sound, it, I guess, or a it's, classic. It's vibe. timeless. Yeah. Timeless. Timeless. Yeah. Totally. So I'm going to, I'm going to nominate this for the Einhoffs, guys. I uh, haven't done it in a while, but I feel like this one is pretty special to me. So. Einhoff alert. Album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination incoming. So I say Yes. Uh, I think it's definitely one of his better late career records. Maybe not his best overall, but definitely among the greats in the genre, in my opinion. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I like the the album a lot, and there's enough, I think, sonic diversity in it. You know that it keeps my attention throughout. You know, even though that reggae rhythm is, is throughout it, you know, there's just enough going on that that makes it interesting. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote yes. No. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Everyone's like, what's wrong with this guy? No, yes, of course. I mean, this was a great experience. Probably my favorite album, spoiler alert, of the three that we talk about today in terms of just pure enjoyment, maybe because of my unfamiliarity with it. Awesome. So, welcome.
2: All right. Congratulations to Bob and the entire Weller family. Yeah, that's uh, Bob Marley. And The Weller's Uprising from the year 1980.
0: Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions.
1: It's that time, kids. Time where the album nerds ask themselves a question and hope you'll answer it too. From The Empire Strikes Back to Raging Bull, 1980 brought us some great movies. What are some of your favorites from that year? All right. Yeah, there aren't a lot
2: of good ones. And my wife would be pissed at me if I didn't mention The Shining, which is like her favorite movie. and
1: Damn it. That was mine. Oh, sorry.
2: Do you like The Shining too, dude?
1: Uh, duh. <laughs> what do you like about it? Well, I like that part when like the guy's shining <laughs> and then the other guy's like, stop shining. You know, it's awesome. Why get a sign so much? <laughs>
2: Uh, All right, one other horror movie I'll mention is uh, The Changeling. That's a good one. Which I really enjoyed that movie. I think it's an awesome kind of ghost story. It's got some really cool, great acting in it, and kind of a unique storyline. If you haven't seen it and you're a genre fan, I think it's definitely worth watching. Another one I'll mention that I just saw a few years ago for the first time is Dolly Parton in 9 to 5. You guys ever seen that? Yep, of course. That is hysterical. I really enjoyed that. Yeah didn't even know that existed until <laughs> recently. Enough.
0: My, uh, my family were early adopters of HBO. So around the time I was, you know, starting to pay attention to movies, like a lot of these movies from 1980 were in heavy rotation, like, like nine to five. Some of my favorite movies from that year are probably, uh, um, it's depressing as hell and, and sad, but the, the elephant man, uh, by David Lynch is, a is a good film, and I didn't see this one until I think I was in college. But uh, ordinary people, an- another pretty depressing one. Well, that fits your your mo, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's uh, what is that? that what
2: is it even about? I don't even know.
0: It's about a uh, it's about ordinary people, you know, just, being, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> doing ordinary
1: things. <laughs> like it shows this lady making peanut butter sandwiches for about twenty minutes. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, th- this family, uh, I think, like, the oldest son dies uh, in some, like, tragic accident, and then the younger son is kind of dealing with some issues and com- uh, attempts suicide and-, and stuff, but it oh, has a-, a nice ending. it's uh, It's got Donald Sutherland and uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. It's, a- it's a really good movie. Hmm. Love me some Mary Tyler. Okay. Um... <laughs> She's great. <laughs> a national treasure. Uh, yeah, so
1: The Shining is one of my favorites. I love the book also. And I've even watched the other adaptations of The Shining and uh, Doctor Sleep, the follow-up to oh, it. Yeah, pretty good. But, I mean, I, the movie is quintessential, like late '70s, early '80s, in terms of its its feel, right? You know, the mm-hmm. the carpets in the Overlook Hotel and the wallpaper and just the way that it. But Jack Nicholson is scary as hell. Yeah, but it, it's it's a must see. That's a must see movie, and um, you know, of course, Airplane. Goofy, still funny. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's stupid. It's stupid jokes, but that's what we specialize in here. So why not watch a movie <laughs> of it, right? And the Blues Brothers and Caddyshack. Uh, oh, the Blues Brothers. Both of which I didn't really appreciate too much at the time when I saw, but then, and when I saw later, I, I, Got the humor a little bit better. Uh, Caddyshack in particular, as a kid, when it came out, all I wanted to see was the puppet gopher. <laughs> like, I didn't care about the other stuff, so. <laughs> and Superman too, where Ooh, uh, Superman throws uh, Zod into a pit at the end, therefore killing him. Therefore, the new movie where he kills Zod isn't really that big of a deal. Anyway, what about y'all? 1980 movies, I think we named them all, so uh, good luck at <laughs> uh, one. bringing one to the table. But albnerds.com <laughs> slash discord, let us know. How did you ever think of that
2: big suit? I like symmetry and geometric shapes. I wanted my head to appear smaller, and the easiest way to do that was to make my body bigger. <laughs>
0: because music is very
2: physical,
1: and often the body understands it before the head.
0: <laughs> okay, so the uh, album I chose from 1980 is the The Talking Heads with Remain in Light it was re- released in October of of that year. Uh, this is their their fourth studio album. Let's start with uh, the, the the most song, the, the most known song from the album. This is uh, Once in a Lifetime. Chef. Even though that song came out in one thousand nine hundred and eighty, uh, it was in heavy rotation uh, on MTV. I, I remember seeing that a lot oh, yeah. you know David Byrne and in his, and his giant suit um. <laughs> uh, anyway so the the talking heads uh, were formed in one thousand nine hundred and seventy five in new york city it 's uh, David Byrne. Pretty much everybody in the in the group is a uh, is a multi instrumentalist. Uh, but um, Byrne was uh, the the original guitarist. Jerry Harrison, keyboards and guitar. Tina Waymouth, bass, uh, and Chris Franz, France. France France uh, is on uh, drums and percussion. Uh, Waymouth and and France are actually actually married. Uh, this album, France off. is a girly man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Weymouth also formed the, the Tom Tom Club. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Yes, band. I remember
2: yeah, yeah. that. Sounds familiar. The,
0: the album also features guitarist uh, Adrian Bellew from uh, King Crimson. Most of the guitar solos that you hear on the album, I, I think, are, are him. Also, backing vocals from Nona Hendrix and some brass, you know, trumpet from uh, John Hassel. So this is, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a really interesting album. You know, if you're, if you're only familiar with, you know, the hits of the, the talking heads, I I think this one could, can kind of catch you off guard. I mean, they've obviously embraced kind of world sounds, uh, mainly from the, the continent of, of Africa. You know, a lot of these songs, they, they don't have a a traditional structure. It's kind of like there's a, a groove that just continues and, and continues. Yeah, you know, I think it's a really interesting album. Definitely stands out in the year 1980. Uh, what do you guys think of Remain in Light?
1: Three words I used to describe it are heady, dizzying, and dreamy. So it's all, it's all up in the noggin on this one. There's something weird going on with the chemicals in your brain when you're listening to this. Um, this the quirky weirdness is comfortable. It's also puzzling. Yeah, I think it's that world maybe the the afrobeat stuff and I'm not sure what it is in, in David Byrne's uh delivery but there's something it's like challenging somehow. I don't know how to describe it there's not I'm not getting a ton out of the lyrics per se. It's more the feeling. Uh like the kind of endorphins or something. Kind of like a like a poet I think would do or like I'm not
2: exactly sure what you're saying but like how it's sounding sort of thing
1: <laughs> yeah yeah david burr would have been great at a poetry slam <laughs>
2: yeah totally. uh so my three words are psychedelic african awesomeness <laughs> i think this is the definitive talking heads album so when i come back to the most at least the a side is just pretty much perfect in my opinion there's so many cool ideas going on like you said don like it's not your typical song structures. You don't really know. You don't have a sense of what's coming next. It's always keeping you on your toes. And just does feel kind of intellectual in that, in that way. But I don't know. There's a, I mean, that's all about the rhythm, all about the beat. I mean, that I, you know, I, I don't know. I definitely feel myself grooving around a lot kind of <laughs> without really thinking about it too much, just cause there's, there's some really catchy rhythms and that's kind of what the B side gets into, is more of that instrumental focus on the um, percussion and sh- is the standard of the band. That's kinda of what they were built for and that's what they kick ass doing and it's uh it's a pretty great one. I, I definitely hold this up there among my, my favorites from the eighties.
0: Nice. Uh, well, the, the three words I chose to describe the album are African post-punk funk, you know, which, uh, again, is sort of related to to what you guys said. Uh, let's hear a clip from a, the song, The Great Curve. No clue what they're saying there, but uh, it's just, you know, very repetitive and, and hypnotic. Uh, and I often get lost in, in, in that type of uh, approach. Yeah, you guys are right about the, the lyrics. Uh, it is more about, I, I think, just the, the rhythm. Uh, I, I think uh, Burns said that it was basically that, like, stream of consciousness uh, approach, where you're just kind of, you know, throwing out words. And I guess he just kept doing it until finally it, it didn't sound like nonsense anymore. <laughs> um uh the album's produced by Brian Eno we, we've mentioned him several times uh, on the show you can hear it yeah definitely you know so Brian Eno was in Roxy Music he's also he he's really focused on like uh ambient music you know which is sort of less about songs and more about just sort of you know experiencing uh music as it happens and this definitely has that has that vibe yeah, well, let's uh, let's turn to a sort of a, a darker moment on the album. Uh, this is the, the closing cut, The Overload. I'm A condition of
2: mercy
1: That was my favorite on the album, really? honestly. Huh. I mean, I think because I like Psycho Killer so much and I like that part of his voice that doesn't get used a Deeper lot. Deeper register. Yeah. That track sounds so, so Brian Eno to me. I mean, like, oh,
0: oh yeah. Like,
2: you could hear that. Like, I could almost be a Brian Eno song <laughs> more than a Talking <laughs> Head song.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Th- you know, this, this album actually kind of reminded me of, we did the Beatles album Revolver um, And that, that track Tomorrow Never Knows Is one that, that made use of, of Tape loops uh, a, a lot and so you know my understanding is Basically they were you know recording Rhythm loops and then Sort of you know mixing them together and stuff So it, it's kind of a throwback to that That approach that the that the Beatles had Interesting Yeah it's, uh, it's just an interesting album overall it, It's one I can you know listen to A lot and keep finding new Little subtle things that 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 interests me i
1: i think the you know the, the audience doesn't have insight into the notes that we work from but don i appreciate your notes on we always put in what genre an album is and no clue i think really does <laughs> yeah. it is yeah. appropriate here it's not being lazy it's true
2: <laughs> i was looking for that specifically because i was curious how you were going to label
1: it yeah
0: is, it, is this
2: post-punk? Like, I don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, talking heads always get labeled with that new wave uh, genre. Because um, cause they were part of that New York City CBGB scene with, like, Blondie. And, but, yeah, this certainly transcends that. Well, it's like we've talked about with other grunge
1: or British Invasion or any other number of things. The bands vary within whatever little categories someone makes up, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think this, this too, at this, this point in their career, like they were really evolving as a band. So I mean, if you look, compare this record to their previous album, Fear of Music, this is a pretty big leap forward for them in terms of the scope of the sound. half Alert.
0: <laughs> album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination is right. coming. <laughs> uh, yes, I would like to, to nominate this album for the, the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. What do you guys think?
1: What the hell? What the hell? I mean,
2: <laughs> you're the gatekeeper of a sacred land, dude. You gotta,
1: yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I'm not familiar enough with their discography to know where this stands in it. I've experienced this album the most, and, and from what I know, this is a landmark album. So, yes.
2: Yeah, I would agree. It's a landmark album. I like think I might even like this more than Uprising. So, yeah, the big, big yes for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well congratulations to the talking heads uh, with the album Remain in Light. And now a word from our sponsor. Us. This is friendship. Pure unadulterated friendship. I oh, yeah. Are you a music fan? Join us on the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hate, tell us what you think of the podcast. You can suggest topics for the show and find out what we're working on next. I think he's right. There's something about this that's so black. It's like, how much more black (laughs) could this be?
2: And the answer is none. None (laughs) good. More black.
1: (laughs) Thank you once again, Spinal Tap. We're going with ACDC back in black, yeah, I know. Easy, an easy one, right? I mean, it's kind of lazy to be honest. We're gonna start with the <sighs> okay. final track of the album: "Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution." Never gonna die. Can't <laughs> go wrong with that. ACDC, formed in 1973 by brothers Angus and Malcolm Young. Redefined rock and roll, made their own signature sound, helped, of course, by Bon Scott, their vocalist, who unfortunately passed in February of 1980. And then in July of 1980, this album is released with their new singer, Brian Johnson, who they had previously known, both having unique sort of... More so with uh, Brian, uh, elmo E type rock and roll voices that I really enjoy, and they they helped define that sound as well. No matter what you think about the lyrics, yes, they're sexually charged, yes, they can be silly sometimes, but can't we all? Occasionally a little cringy, uh, but you know, I love the music, I love the album. And uh, nothing is going to change that. The three words that I used to describe this album were rock, R-A-W-K, <laughs> testosterone, and guitar. Like I kind of alluded to, sometimes some of the lyrics are cringy. Everything is over-sexualized, everything like rock and roll ain't noise pollution ain't gonna die. Sure, we got a rock song, rock and roll, it's gonna live forever. But rock and roll was also referencing rolling around in bed. They just couldn't. They just couldn't stop. Couldn't themselves. help So, <laughs> so <laughs> what did you guys think? Um, it's funny because I, I
2: came up with the word rock in my <laughs> notes here as well. With the Same spelling? Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> really? Rock is guitar. Yeah, totally. Uh, my three words, though, I took rock out of the three words, but the three I came up with are beer commercial rock with a CK. <laughs> I don't know. So we reviewed this like a few years back and I was really positive on it then. Like I appreciated the sort of like stadium fist pumping nature of it, which is still there. And I love I love that song you just played. I I always enjoy hearing that one. But I don't know, I wasn't really vibing with it this time. Some of the sexual innuendos just feel like so dirty and by today's standards. Yeah. <laughs> it was really hard to get past a couple songs. Like I won't go into details, but when you hear them, it's pretty obvious. Like, wow, that's <laughs> a little bit 1980 and, uh, hasn't aged too well.
1: That, that is absolutely true. Uh, that, that caught me too, where I picked this album before I listened to it again. Cause I listened to it all the time. Just have it on in the background, but headphones and really paying attention. There were some moments where I'm like, come on, like, yeah. come on. And, 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 and But then I started thinking about other artists that that Uh, over-sexualize. And they're not alone. And there are women that do it too. Like uh, Cardi B has some (laughs) stuff that's, you know. Yes, that's true. Puts puts this to shame. So I think if you put it in the context of whether it makes me a little cringe or not, doesn't mean that it should be canceled or cut out or forgotten. I don't.
2: Yeah. I'm not saying it should be canceled either. And I'm sure I would have appreciated it more in the 80s than I do now, I guess.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's definitely not the first time we've encountered this. The, you know, I mean, we did the New Jack Swing episode and we did Prince. I mean, that guy's a pig. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, well, the, the three words I, I picked were southern rock meets metal. I'm making southern rock one word. Sure. <laughs> I guess what I mean is if you just soften these riffs a little bit, it just kind of sounds, they sound like southern guitar riffs, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like I could picture Leonard Skinnerd playing some of these songs, you know, if you take a little bit of the, the fuzz off the guitar, you know, I feel like the guitar solos are just pretty much straight up rock and roll that's just a, a, a little bit louder. And God, I mean, the, the album is just as, as hooky as hell, you know, like every song yeah. Is, yeah. is catchy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, reminds me. I mean, it's sort of like the the Nirvana album, you know. So again, it's sort of a an aggressive album, but that it's just so hooky that it's uh, that it's accessible.
1: Yeah, but lyrically, it's more like something from Mad Magazine. Yeah,
0: that's true. <laughs> I used to like Mad Magazine. Uh, so.
1: Yeah, that's why this appealed so much to adolescent boys in the <laughs> 1980s. Yeah, totally.
0: The other thing I, I'll say about the album is just the the production is just so damn clean. And I, I don't know if that's just the, the Mutt Lang treatment, but it's like perfect. You know, it's just so clear. I mean, every instrument just, you know, even though it's loud and there's, there's, you know, some fuzz in it, it's just impeccably produced, which I guess, you know, it sort of paves the way for the, you know, the, the 80s metal. It did. Yeah. He, uh, he produced, uh, Highway to Hell as well, which is my favorite ACDC
1: record. Uh, why don't we jump into a little bit of Back in Black, which is just iconic. It, just the sounds of it when it starts. Everyone knows what it is. I mean, that's that's all you need, man. I mean, you think of sporting events. You think of Iron Man. Yeah. You think of Ron <laughs> Scott, the original singer that this was a, a tribute to. So, yeah, I mean they wanted something about him that wasn't morbid i think they they came you know it's like living free living hard and the consequences are the consequences kind of a thing but uh
0: if you turn down the the gain on that guitar there i feel like it's a it's a leonard Skinnard song <laughs> you know because they they have those those catchy openings like that so. i'll shut up
1: so when you hear that what do you when you hear that riff what do you feel besides that it sounds like leonard skydard <laughs> <laughs> uh, i hear that riff pretty often because we have a,
2: a high school down the street from us and they play that at their ah. football games every freaking weekend <laughs> so i'm very familiar with that riff <laughs> it's such a huge part of all culture though there's a lot of songs on this record that i just feel like are saturated into everything that we do with whether it's commercials or sporting events or just hearing it out on the radio it's the stuff is all all over the yeah. place
0: there's a, I mean, there's a song on there. It's like a, a, a Gentleman's Club anthem. I don't know if you're going to play that one. You shook me all <laughs> night long. <laughs> That's not on the list this time. But, yeah, I
1: mean, that, that song among the sex-laden ones is She's a Fast Machine, Motor Clean. You know, those are car references, obviously. But it's more about them together is this machine of, of lust. It's definitely consensual. Yeah. Yeah. You're making the love. And obviously, you just you, you, you hit the gas. You know what I mean? <laughs> they captured it well. Uh-huh. Uh, so, off that subject, well... uh <laughs> well, we still have a podcast? <laughs> well, I got, you so, I got you so worked up. <laughs> so, let's listen. Let's listen to a little bit of Hell's Bellies. That's probably my favorite song on the album. You know, they uh, they had that bell custom made. Really? That's a real bell that they used, and they had to go. It wasn't ready yet, so they had to go to the foundry it was being made in because they're going to take it on tour, and they had to mic it up and, and get that sound. Jeez. Yeah, pretty awesome. I mean, that's the muttling, right? Where yeah. <laughs> custom You can't bell. fake it. <laughs> And that it's rolling thunder, it's pouring rain, I guess they were stuck they they were having trouble. they'd always do the the music first and then write lyrics on top, and I guess they were struggling and while they were ruminating on that, there was a thunderstorm, and those lines just came out of Brian Johnson's mouth, so it just that always just brings to mind some mythical yeah. Creature, you know, like I, I just, I love the power of that song. Yeah,
2: makes him sound sort of like a force of nature, you know, like yeah, have to deal with this. It's cool.
0: Yeah, those bells signify signify third down um at football. (laughs) You know, when you're trying to get the crowd going, the bells play. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. I mean, as you guys mentioned, and this this album in particular, a lot of you know, there's other ACDC songs that thunderstruck and. And for those about to rock and all, you know, Highway to Hell, those, they all have their places. But this thing, I think, is like 25 times platinum. I think wow. it's the fourth best-selling album of all time. Oh, my
2: gosh. Wow. Up there
1: with, like, Michael Jackson's Thriller and Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, it's it's up there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to listen to. There are some moments as you get older that you're like, mm, that kind of gross. But... All in all, it's still an enjoyable listen you it gets you going and it's a it's a fun record and uh it it's a huge part of nineteen eighty so go check out a c d c back in black and uh if you need to make a playlist of your favorites, I don't blame you <laughs> nineteen eighty what did we learn anything nothing well, I'll kick things off say
2: uh I was expecting more of like synth pop and just like post-punk stuff which definitely is but there was a lot of other cool stuff happening outside of what well, i guess what i was thinking of the stereotypical 80s sound and we, i think all these records we picked today apply to that so it was, a, it was a, in my opinion a really good time in music i had a really hard time picking a record here because i think there were like a half dozen that i legitimately could have gone with and felt strongly about so
1: you made the right choice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, I remember going back into because I, I wanted to see is there a hip hop record we could do. I listened to that Sugar Hill Gang, <laughs> and that was it wasn't even like hip hop. Like there were like three hip hop tracks on it, and the rest of it was more like R and B. And I think it was I, I read that the producer said that it, they just didn't think they could sustain hip hop for an entire album. And then the you know the Curtis Blow was was okay. Well, yeah, yeah it hadn't been
1: established yet. It was same with what Andy was referring to the synth pop and all that. That was in its Infancy in 1980, like decade breaks are kind of weird because 1980s really more like the late 70s. Yeah, it takes a while to catch up. By 83, decades start to establish their own personalities, and like Curtis, Curtis Blow with this kind of rap, you know, it, it, <laughs> that was it. Just it needed some grooming, yeah. Yeah,
2: I feel like I mean, there's cool moments on that Curtis Blow record, but I feel like it had a really hard time sustaining. It's 50 minutes. Like after about 10 minutes of it, I was like, I got the idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks but yeah there's lots of i mean you know it, it was a great year for for music i would say and just like going through that list of events that occurred in 1980 it, it was kind of a dark year and I, I think that tends to lend itself to good creativity see, we
2: had pac-man though, right so i guess that kind of that's true that's that. true
1: <laughs> <laughs> how um no however bad it seems in the here and now every generation every I, they, we've all experienced those feelings and the, and those downturns, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel, and, and then the next dark thing happens. But, uh, you know, and I think the music reflects that. The music we we talked about today reflects reflects all that. And that's One to Grow.
0: I'm your density. I'm
2: mean Your destiny. All right. Welcome, one and all, over to Wadbot's House of Musical Destiny. Let's uh, let's see what fate has in store for us on the next episode.
1: Your musical destiny will take you to the land down under. You will be
2: exploring albums by artists from Australia. Hope you like the new accent.
1: Good day, mate. Excellent. Shrimp on the Barbie. (laughs) I'm sure Australian people love that shit. Um, real quick
2: before we do the outro I want to mention two quick things uh, you can submit topics for the Wheel of Musical Destiny on the album nerds discord albumners.com/discord, as well as our website albumnerds.com tell us what you would like to hear on a future episode and also it's your last chance to get your votes in on Alicia Keys songs in a minor it is on the fence the half fence it's a terribly uncomfortable place to be Help her get in or out, please. You can also do that on the Discords and our website.
0: What's your favorite album from Australia? So what else are you listening? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Album Nerds for details on upcoming episodes. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
1: Thank you once again for listening to the Album Nerds podcast. We'll catch you next time down under.
2: Thanks for listening, everybody. See
1: ya.
0: And you may find yourself listening to a music podcast. That's my, that's my David Byrd impression. Wow. Well, <laughs> uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were playing the clip. Same as it ever was.